You have one unheard message. Hello and welcome to another special edition of the Three Wine Guys featuring Terry, Steve and Scott. I'm of course Dex Headington. Today's special podcast will feature part two of the riveting interview series with Australian superstar winemaker Mr. Chris Ringland, along with legendary Australian vineyard owner and grower Mr. David Higginbotham, and of course the founder and owner of the Grateful Palate, importer Mr. Dan Phillips. Gentlemen, if you wouldn't mind, commence the whining. End of message. Steve here, representing uh, Three Wine Guys. Unbelievable. Scott and T-Boner here today. Listen, um, I've got to tell you right off the bat, we are super excited because we're not just the Three Wine Guys. We're with three superstars today. We're with the, we're with a super fan of wine, Dan Phillips, a super winemaker, Chris Ringland, and, of course, a super grower, uh, D- David Higginbotham. And I can't say enough. So where are we, where are we starting, kids? Just so everybody knows in the listening end, we're down to, you know, we have our usual four head four headsets. We're down to two headsets and uh, two microphones. We're doing the pass the mic with the headsets and stuff. Uh, Dan's here. The, the last segment you listened to, uh, Dan was in here, and uh, I think it would be great to get into some background of how you got into getting into wines. I know you're a huge wine fan, and it's a fantastic pleasure for the three of us to meet you, but how do you really get into wines and what inspired you? Well, uh, wine's been a part of my life for so long that um, it's hard for me to even remember an accurate point where wine became the thing, but it happened very early, like when I was an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old, sometime around then. Uh, I made wine when I was 15. Uh, I designed a label when I was 16. Um, Wine's uh, been an obsession of mine for a long time. Uh, The earliest memory I have is at the Passover table that uh, the adults got wine and the kids didn't and I got into a huge fight with my dad because it just didn't seem to be fair. Why is this happening? So that that was the earliest I can remember. Uh, That was like uh, in Wisconsin that we had tables where you got the jello or you didn't. So you got the wine at the Passover table and... Father yeah, did, father I did. did yeah. yeah, and you were on the off table. So I didn't even, I didn't want it. I probably didn't even like wine. It was Manischewitz, you know, who... who, uh, who yeah, no, who, by the way, you didn't You did not miss out. Yeah. The, the no, great I, thing about Manischewitz, uh, as opposed to the wines that Chris makes, is that you can put Manischewitz in the refrigerator, and a year later, it's still the same. It's still the same. Right? Yeah. Nice. Well, hey, you know, it's got staying power. So, Chris, come on. There's some challenges for you. I've got things to aspire to. Hey, what the F, Chris? I mean, seriously, can we top Manischewitz? Good wine. I bring over to my mom. She immediately drops ice into it. Yeah. Or at least it's in the box. I do that too. Yeah. So, by the way, I'd love you to meet my mom, Chris, because you need to make a wine for my mom. Something that can be chilled and they can keep in her fridge for about four weeks. Until you do that, really, seriously, you think, you, you think you've done it all? No, no. Until you've made the box wine that my mom appreciates, you haven't quite done it. We haven't yet crossed over to the box wine, but I was, I was in a restaurant in Los Angeles where the air conditioning had been uh, broken and... Uh, the, all the uh, wine temperature elevated and it was just nasty so I asked for a glass of ice and poured my red wine into it and it was like that old E.F. Hutton ad where the whole room became quiet and everyone looked at me fine wine over ice but it was delicious hot hot red wine is disgusting I always think of the Reuniti with ice yeah, yeah, it's so, so nice, nice. Yeah. Dan did um, your entire company did it start first with because 
I mean, I first heard about your company through the Bacon of the Month Club. Yep. I mean, you know, so I, I mean, you started early with the wine, but did you, you didn't, didn't you get recognition first for the for the bacon? You know, to me, to me, the whole thing is inseparable because the context for wine is food. And yes. when I decided I was going to make my career in the food and wine business, I knew instantly that I was going to do everything. I was going to do both. So when did this happen? When you were at 23, 24, 25? Yeah, no, early 30s. It took me a long time to get through adolescence, like 30 years. Yeah. And then make what my passion was my career. Um, well, everything's going off here. That's my mom. I'm not here. <laughs> well, we were talking about red wine over ice, and we got ice. <laughs> got ice. Um, I, you know, it, there was there was a practical aspect to it too because uh, I uh, started my import company in '97. Yeah, teenagers are right now. Yeah, this year, and I had to quit my job because as a, I was working as a sales rep, as a wine sales rep, and in in a way, uh, starting the bacon catalog was a way to pay the bills. Because the containers were on the water, they hadn't arrived, I had no job, and I wrote a catalog, and I sent it out to 500 people, uh, and actually, originally, the Bacon of the Month Club was the Pork of the Month Club, which appealed to me, for obvious reasons, and there was a sausage, a sausage, your favorite, um, a ham, a half ham, and bacon. I, this is the absolute truth, I had 500 catalogs, and granted, there was a lot of friends and family, but not 500, we had 250 orders for bacon. That's a 50% strike rate, and, I th- and you know, I could be slow, but I thought... That's pretty good. That's amazing. Pork of the month actually, club became yeah. the bacon of the month club, but it's always been about wine. I'm a wine guy. That's, better, that's my better hit rate at a at a bar on a Saturday night. <laughs> uh, if, if you're 50, percent you're doing pretty good. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm a wine sales guy. That's when I when I go to Australia and they ask me what my occupation is. I'm a salesman. I I love the act of selling wine and everything that it entails. It entails service. It entails the consumer. It entails the winemaker. It entails the wine. Um, that's what my career is. The bacon is, is fun. It's my hobby. It's a, it's, a, it's a cottage business. It's profitable every year. It's uh, relatively small compared to our wine business, but it uh, keeps us honest, keeps us from getting too wanky, and uh, it gets us a lot of attention. You know, we were in Esquire magazine in their 75th anniversary or whatever it was. They had the top 75 things uh, that's great about the world, and the Bacon of the Month Club was one of them. We were higher than Kira Knightley, higher than the French Laundry, and higher than the New York Times. Bake of the Month Club, so and it was also featured on uh, I think Food Network, weren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, the uh, Food Network yeah, awards. Yeah, we didn't win. It was, must have, it was there must have been something corrupt there, but Bake of the Month Club. I mean, have no, it not, it's definitely have it corrupt because we haven't been club. mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're higher than New York Times and Whole Foods. I mean, on, on iTunes for for wine. What the fuck do we know right now? Then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just making it up. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna play this to our friends when we get back home. That's about it. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're sending out to five hundred people, two hundred fifty people will listen. So it's yeah, exactly good. the same. And six of them are here right now. <laughs> yeah. So two hundred fifty minus six equals. Mm, I can't do the math. Let me ask you. Uh, most people recognize your wines at a certain price point, and um, and, and unfortunately, in retail, in the average retail market, most people don't get a chance just to see the high-end wines you actually have. Um, is there a certain point that you're fixing on or that is there a certain point that you feel that you really want to hit and strike or do you really want to encompass kind of like the whole broad spectrum of things? No, we we make wines across all price points. I try and over-deliver at every price point. If it's a $10 bottle, it tastes like 20 If it's 20 it tastes like 40 If it's 300 it tastes like 1000 
Um, you know, I'm By a, way, I'm do, a wine you, do you have a 300 here? Because I'd like to try that right now. Yeah. Where's the I actually do. Oh, do you? <laughs> yes. All right. All right wait, wait, hold on. Okay, that's good. The pit pause, T-Bone. Hit the pause. Got a corkscrew. I'll pull it for you. Um, um, but, you way, know, I'm, this, I'm this, not joking. What, I know um, you're smiling, but I'm not joking. We'll, we'll get it. That's what, that's what I find... Uh, one of my one of the things that I find annoying about wine, you know, people say, "Oh, I don't like Australian wines," or "Oh, I don't like Burgundy," or "Oh, I don't like Al- Alsace wines." You know, Chris is the most generous wine taster you'll ever ever meet in your life. He's never met a wine he didn't like on some level. You pull the cork on anything, there's something to talk about, and after all, it's just wine. You're just drinking right. it. I like it. I like all wines. I like cheap wines. I like expensive wines, and I like everything in between. And the creative challenge of each of those points. Um, presents something new at each time that Chris and I conceive a wine, or David conceives of something in the vineyard. So. You know, it, it's uh, it, it's an interesting question that you ask because at the outset in 1997-1998, all of our wines were forty dollars and above per bottle. Every one, there was nothing low end. Peringo, which is from David's Vineyard, was the first wine that we conceived of at ten dollars. We had no idea what we were doing. We didn't know we were making an expensive wine. We we're just making a wine from Peringo with fair margins for everyone. It happened to be ten bucks, but it was a fine wine. It was no different than what we did with Chris when we were conceiving of three rings at twenty or um, our Cabernet at fifty. So from a marketing standpoint, where do you come up with your ideas? I mean, right now we're looking at you, and this is what a cool guy that Dan is. He's got the – looks like you could be uh, working on – No, 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 no. It's No, no. It's like he's a, he's a traffic guard. Traffic guard? No, like, not, not like, like, a, like, like, you're, like you're walking to school traffic guard. But yet for someone putting on a, a tasting like we've been – been to today, which has been amazing, representing amazing wines. And like I said in the last uh, uh, last segment – more times than not, I've had amazing wines where we've flipped it on the back and we see the grateful palate on the back. Where it's just like every time I notice that, I'm blown away that it's that great of wine that you represent. I, I just think it's so refreshing the fact that you're like such a down to earth guy wearing the you'd be you know guiding planes in and you're running the tasting. It's just where, where do you come up with your ideas and. The, I was also in the elevator with the uh, flight crew for British Airways, and they thought I had just landed a helicopter on the ceiling at the roof of the uh, awesome. hotel. Wait, 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 were they hot? They, <laughs> no, I said, let me show you my private helicopter yeah, exactly. in my room. Yeah, cause that's what I'm talking about. Because I'll back you uh, on that. If you need a wingman, I'm right here, dude. Where the, you know, <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I'm ready to go. 50% strike weight. I'm hanging out with you at the bar. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. 50% <laughs> strike <laughs> Oh, yeah, you That's know, good I'll, stuff. I'll probably come up with I'll, I'll, I'll probably come up with a wine inspired by this interview. Oh no! Yeah, strike rate, Shiraz. I like strike rate. I like that strike rate. That's <laughs> I'd rather have Stevo. I prefer Stevo wine. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That uh, strike rate would be good. You know, it, it's wine should be fun, and wine um, is one of the most conservative areas when you get deep into it as a winemaker. Uh, or if you're in marketing, it's often run by big companies that are trying to appeal to specific demographics. And I think we haven't even yet begun to explore what a wine label can be and what it can say. You know, when we sit down and we have dinner, oftentimes we'll talk about politics, we'll talk about movies, we'll have arguments, we'll have, you know, whatever it is, the joy of the table. Why can't a bottle of wine be part of that? Why can't a bottle of wine say something on it that's controversial? You know, Chris and I had a really interesting conversation where we were actually trying to come up with the answer to the question, what would be the most, you might be able to answer this, what would be the most offensive wine label? What oh, could shake that. up the wine world? <laughs> Steve-O, yeah. yeah. You might yeah, answer yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You give me three guesses, what, I'll get what it. What would be like the Sex Pistols album, Never Mind the Bullocks, in, you know, in the 60s? Wonderful. Album, but, but know, the, the Dead Kennedys? The shook up, the yeah, shook up. But, that? you know, you can't do that in wine because it's you can't so, say say that, it's so you know, conventional. You know? And if you did, people wouldn't care. They would just not look at it. The consumers would. The 
consumers are dying for. They're gasping for interesting wines. Like, like bitch, well, they you know. They love that stuff. I mean, we sell so much fat bastard. And nobody cares about the wine. They just care about the fact that it's fat bastard. But I think, I think Yellowtail might have done a favor for to, to almost every Australian winemaker that just opened the eyes to the Australian market, maybe more so. Because from that point, if you start drinking um, Yellowtail Shiraz and you start appreciating it, and then after a while you say, you know what, I need to move, some, move on. I think most Americans are to the point where 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 do I go next? And I think I think I think Australia is you know, a great I, place to, to keep on. We uh, we made this comment when we uh, we we did a, a podcast on um, Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir. Uh, David, I think you might appreciate this. Is that um, we uh, we are saying that you know the the one thing you guys did as as Australians is that you guys said we're Shiraz, we're not Syrah, we're Shiraz. And so now people don't know what Syrah is. They know what Shiraz is. And the same thing with, and, and we're thinking, you know, if, if Americans were smart, when we were really going up with our Pinot Noirs, like out of Sonoma Coast and whatever, they should have come up with something different. Because you know what? They're never, just like you were saying, Chris, why try to be France? We're not going to be France. We're, our, our flavors, are, we, we, get, we get too much ripe fruit. We get too many flavors. We're not, we're not that wine. So... That's why I think to you guys have really, like with Semillon and our things in Australia, you've got a huge, uh, I think, advantage with certain grapes and certain rhinos because people think to Australia for a certain type of wine. So Australians and Australia are the least pretentious people and country you'll find on the planet. And that's been one of their great advantages. And, and they enjoy wine like every, I think most Americans would. No, more so. More so. You know, it's like we don't go home and critique our wines. We just want to enjoy it. Right. Mm. Right. It's just a glass of beverage. No, and, and I think that's what's been amazing. And literally, as you guys know, I mean, you guys have all profited from it, the fact that Americans, I mean, they're drinking wines now like they're cocktails. You know, and they're not, they're not looking for a mojito. They're looking for a Sauv Blanc or looking for a Viognier or they're looking for a Shiraz. I think that's absolutely fantastic. It's amazing. I had asked this earlier. This is my shallow question. At the end of the day, you go home, tough day work. What do you go for? Your beer, wine, cocktail, grapefruit juice? What, what's your choice? All the above. We drink martinis. We drink Negronis. We'll have a nice cold beer. We'll have a glass of Sauvignon Blanc. Um, do you go as far as pairing with food, or it's just what you feel for, or what? I'm sorry. Do you pair with food, or just go for what? Well, what to, you guys to start with, you know, we'll usually have a glass of something just to, uh, you know, take the edge off, and then whatever we're into, whatever we're grilling or cheese. And then, or, then my other shallow question is, what's the thing? Because you've got a fantastic job. What's the thing about your job that just drives you up the wall? Uh, the weight, if the weight of wine boxes. I wish you could freeze dry the stuff so you could put it in your pocket and carry it. Put it in it water easily. so it's more buoyant and it's easier to lift. So it's great. So yeah. awesome. Well, those are my shallow questions. I just, I mean, better than mine, dude. So. Well, yeah, this is uh, we're the three wine guys again. If you're in a wine shop and you can see in the back, Grateful Palate, go for it. It's uh, you. You will not be disappointed. We have GratefulWineImports.com. GratefulPalateImports.com. And also gratefulpalate.com or baconthemonthclub.com or, bacon. or our winery.com or steve.com or, or three wine guys for us yeah. as wine much as it matters, Chris I guess. Chris Ringland.com. Well, that's for yeah, that's exactly. Chris Ringland.com, yes. So you, you'll, you'll be able to find everyone at our links on our, on our website. All right. Let's go get some food. Let's go eat and let's go drink some wine. It's time to move on. So, all right. Yes, thank you, everybody. Thanks, guys.
Employco presents Great Moments in Freedom. Paul, it's almost midnight. I know, Muffy, but the boys in the shop want me to get a new health insurance plan with better rates. Oh. I think I heard them talking about throwing me into the harbour yesterday. Mm. And that 401k plan is no picnic in the Glen, you know. But the redcoats are coming and you've got to warn the other colonists. Please hurry. But the tax forms, the king's people, they've been on my back for weeks. My midnight ride will have to wait. Now, dearie, go saddle up your horse. I'll just call those patriots over at Employco in the morning. They handle employee benefits, human resources health insurance for any size shop so you can do what you do best. Right, in Poico it is. What a great moment in freedom. You didn't happen to see how many lanterns were in the church tower, did you? Oh, my word, can you believe our country's fate is resting on this man's shoulders? Well, I'm off, dearie. Don't forget to call me Poico. The Redcoats are coming. The Redcoats are coming. Great moments in freedom from Employco. Call us at 800-459-9800 and give yourself the freedom to succeed. Call 800-459-9800 or visit Employco.com.